Love fragrance but have sensitive skin? Introducing Skincare's Take on Fragrance, Clean Reserve H2O, a new eco-conscious collection of water-based perfumes that are gentle, hydrating, and long-lasting. A proprietary technology, Clean Reserve H2O HydroTech harnesses sustainable and renewable ingredients in a formula that is gentle enough for sensitive skin. An exciting alternative to alcohol-based fragrances that is crafted for those who want more from their perfume. A splash of hydration, no irritation, and exceptional long-lasting wear. The collection features eight new scents and is available at Sephora. Follow at cleanbeauty underscore collective for more on this new wave in fragrance. Hi, and welcome to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm Sarah Sprickfeiner, Senior Reporter for Glossy Pop, and your host for today's episode featuring Brooklyn and Bailey McKnight, the 23-year-old founders of ITK Skincare. The identical twins got their start on YouTube, where they have over 7 million subscribers. They also have over 9 million followers on Instagram. Together, they launched ITK in August 2022 in partnership with Mesa. The brand launched directly into Walmart with 15 products priced between $7 and $15. But by the time they launched ITK, they were in fact already veteran founders, having launched their first business venture, Lash Next Door, which sells clothing and mascara, when they were just 16. On this week's episode of the Glossy Beauty Podcast, they discuss getting their start on their mom's YouTube channel, Brooklyn's experience getting her esthetician's license, and what it was like to pitch their brand to Walmart. Hi, welcome to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Today we have Brooklyn and Bailey, sisters, twins. Twins, yes. yes. Um, yes. And <laughs> um, wait, identical? No. Yeah. T- yeah. Identical. Uh-huh. Identical. Yes. That's that's like, you know, you don't necessarily feel safe guessing on that one, but you guys are pretty identical minus the hair yeah, color. We look, I would yeah, say. I feel like we look very similar. So it's like a safe <laughs> bet to say we're identical. Like you're you're 100% correct. Okay, great. Identical twins and co-founders of ITK, beauty and uh, YouTube veterans. We'll get into that in a minute. Um who have been, you know, creators for years now. I'm so excited to welcome you to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. No, we're so excited to be here. Like, we've been looking forward to this, so I'm just happy to be here. Thank you so much. So, like I was saying, you guys guys have been creators, like, you know, since before I think we were talking about influencers the way that we do nowadays. Tell me, how did you first get started and, and... also, like, I definitely want to talk about what it's like being on that journey as sisters and, and twins, because that's not something that I think we hear about much. Yeah, it's a it's quite the story. <laughs> Very unusual. <laughs> um, maybe not so unusual for an influencer story, though, because I feel like every influencer story is unusual. But we started way back in 2009 when YouTube was just cat videos and there was not much happening. It was not what it is today. <laughs> And it was actually my mom that started, which I know you said you've met her in person. But for people that don't know, she did hairstyle videos on YouTube for a really long time. And Brooklyn and I were the models. And it just kind of grew as YouTube grew into a platform and a place where people went for entertainment and education, sort of. And 
soon enough, we had an audience that was interested in our personalities. And so Brooklyn and I decided as twins, as sisters, we'd start our own channel. And it was quite funny when we first launched our channel. People had no idea we were twins because my mom's videos, we were models, but we were only doing it one or the other. And we looked so similar. They had no <laughs> idea. So it was a lot of fun. We, we kickstarted our channel in 2013. And it's been history ever since. We just do social media. We were 13 at the time. Now we do Instagram, TikTok. I mean, anything, all the things. And it's been so much fun. That's like the parent trap. It was one of you yeah, at a time. Like literally. So people didn't realize no, there were they had two no of you. idea. And so when, we were, when there were two of us, they were like, hold on. When were there two of you? It's been really funny. That's so funny. Did your mom encourage you? Was she hesitant about you guys getting involved? How did she feel? I think they, my parents thought of it as a hobby at the time, even when they were doing it for years, it was just a hobby. It was something fun to do sort of like a scrapbook online basically. And so they were like, yeah, sure. You guys want to make videos. And there's a couple people that might find them entertaining as long as you're safe. Um, we were really safe about it. The first couple of years, our names weren't revealed. Um, we barely showed our oh, wow. faces on my mom's channel and then slowly over time became more accustomed to sharing that information. But yeah, at the time it was sort of just thought of as a hobby. And then later down the road became like a whole career. So at the time they were like, yeah, sure. Whatever you guys want to do, that sounds fun. As long as you promise to maintain it and like keep it consistent, you can totally do whatever you want. So and you were just doing that after school. Yeah. Like, how did you do that at such a Pretty young much. age? After school, on the weekends. I mean, Brooklyn, you can answer this too. We just kind of found the time. It was a passion. And so it was something we were doing in our free time. Yeah, I think um, Bailey and I were obviously, we stayed in school the whole time. We've been doing YouTube and all social media stuff. So it was always after school. It was always after like our after school activities. It was kind of one of those things where we've posted a video on YouTube every Wednesday since we started in 2013. So it was like, you just kind of carved the time out to film a video and made sure it went live on Wednesday. And it just kind of became part of like our weekly routine. How did you do that without back then, like really showing your face and what were the videos about back then? We, we didn't reveal our names when we were models on my mom's hair channel. Part of the launch of our, um, our channel was like, we revealed our names in one of our very first videos. So it was kind of this big deal. So in our videos, we didn't have to worry too much about it. When we were models on my mom's channel, we were, um, CGH1, CGH2 based on our birth order. So I was the oldest child. So I was cute girls hairstyles number one and Bailey was cute girls hairstyles number two. And literally that's how people like identified us um, on my mom's channel. But obviously when we turned 13 and, you know, we, we felt better about it, we started our channel with our names and our faces. So we didn't have to worry too much about it when we created content. Got it. And Brooklyn, I'll let you continue to speak to this. How quickly did it become a career for you? Oh, I, when you're like a teenager, I don't know. I feel like when we were like young teenagers, 13, 14, 15, like it didn't really process yeah, like that it could be anything more. But Bailey and I were raised in an entrepreneurial household. I mean, my mom, my dad were both, you know, business minded from, you know, the day we were born, we were raised in a household like that. So it quickly became apparent that this was something that we could grow into, um, you know, a, a business and a career for Bailey and I, and we enjoyed doing it so much. Um, I think, I honestly don't even know if there was like a specific moment, but when we were 16, 
was when we started the development on our very first product ever, which was a mascara. And so I think that may have been like the turning point of when we were like, okay, we can turn this into something more than just like fun videos on YouTube. Like we can really, you know, build businesses and and do a lot of fun things with this platform that we have. I mean, that's incredible to be 16 and building your first company, you know, before most people go to college. Bailey, tell me about that experience and, you know, what you learned from that, that we'll get into this later, but now you're, I'm sure, applying to ITK. Oh, for sure. I mean, you also have to remember we were 16. So at the time we were soaking it in, but also not from like an adult perspective. We were soaking it in as teenagers. This is fun. This is a, just a creative experience that we're going through, but it was a lot of work, a lot of work. I think that we at the time didn't understand went into creating products. So for example, when we started the whole process, you have to find labs that will make formulas for you. And that like, I I don't know where I thought they came from the sky. (laughs) I definitely did not put that together. So we had to find a lab to partner with and test formulas. And there's so many little things that go into all the products, like the tube for mascara versus like the wiper and just so many different things. And so as a 16 year old and a 17 year old, as that went on, the development process was the most surprising and shocking how much time it took. But ultimately it was a hundred percent worth it. And it was a lot of fun. We definitely learned a lot of what people want, how to use our, use our audience's opinions and find out sort of what they want and incorporate that in the products. It was a major learning experience and definitely foundational for later down the road for us for ITK. And this was around 2016. Yeah. So it started in 2016. I think I can't remember the specific day, but we launched the mascara in 2018. So it was about two years of development. Because then I I believe 2020, your mom also launched your brand. But when you guys were making the mascara, that didn't exist yet. So it wasn't like you could learn from your mom how she did that. No, we kind of, of course, we were 16. (laughs) So my mom was definitely part of that. So I think it was a learning experience (laughs) for like all of us to know how that process worked because we were learning it. She was learning it. We were all involved. So that's definitely the foundation for Heritage and later down the road for ITK. And it was that learning experience for sure. Did it... Brooklyn, did you work on sort of, were you guys then test, helping your mom test Heritage? Heritage is Brooklyn and Bailey's mom, Mindy's hair brand. Um, were you guys sort of testers for that the way once upon a time you guys were models? Yeah, of course. I think like almost everything we do is family oriented. So we all really help each other in a lot of different ways. And I remember my mom um, you know, starting to develop and test formulas and products. And it was always like, well, I have six different versions of this formula and I need you, 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 you all need to try a different one. And then we need to swap and try them again and like figure out which ones we love and which ones we don't and scents and everything. I just remember like having bins of just testers and samples and scents and things that we were always going through. And like, even down to like, we would get text messages while I was like in class in college that was like, which (laughs) color do you prefer? And it's like, oh, I, I like this color. Why? You know, just really fun stuff. Like, obviously my mom was heading, you know, a lot of the creative, but like, of course, when you have family that um, you work with, it's always valuable to have opinions and like have people to help you with the process. And Brooklyn, you then got your esthetician license. Tell me about the decision to do that, the process of doing that, and how that's played into now having your own skincare range. 
Yeah. So Bailey and I went to college at Baylor and graduated. I don't even remember when I graduated. <laughs> like it was so long ago. It was like, um, and then quickly after I decided to go to esthetician school. Um, obviously uh, Bailey and I have had like a passion for beauty for a long time. And at, like, we grew up going to the dermatologist, like skincare was like a very integrated part of like our lives. Um, and you know, I wanted to further my education and I figured out that I was like wanting to get this, you know, skincare, you know, qualification. Um, and then of course, like while I was in that process was when we started to develop ITK. And so it worked very cohesively. It was like a perfect timing. Like one of those things where it was like, man, like this was couldn't have worked out better. Um, and obviously now as an esthetician, it's like done, it's been really great for me to have a license and have the like background knowledge of products and ingredients and all of that stuff that like I now bring into the product development element of ITK. So it was really fun. Um, it, it was about a nine month program. That's about how long it takes for you to go to school full time. Um, and it's six days a week from like 8am to 5pm. So it's pretty rigorous when you go. Um, a lot of it is like hands-on work. You do a lot of, I don't know, there's a lot of like, you have to do state testing and there's just a lot that goes into it. Um, but yeah, it was like so different from anything I had ever done. And I am so grateful I did it now because obviously it's worked for me and my, my product brand. That's so fun. I mean, you haven't really like practiced though. You sort of did it to learn and further your education. You're not like, and in, in at home in Texas, like giving facials, operating a spa on the side. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was, when we were in school, there was like, it was, everything was always split down the middle. There was like half of the people who were going school to like be, a, you know, an esthetician hands-on to like have a spa to like run their own kind of esthetician business. And then there were half of us that were there because we wanted to like go into product development for a company, or we wanted to have mm -hmm. like, you know, do our own kind of product development. So there were kind of two sides to it. And people that go for two different reasons. Obviously, I went more for the product development, you know, background knowledge. I went to just, you know, have the education and the license and be able to bring that into like the world that we lived in, the beauty world we lived in. Um, but I do practice on myself and like my <laughs> family members. Obviously, for fun, I don't run a spa, but like a small spa in my bathroom. I love <laughs> she it. She gives free waxes, which yeah. is super nice. That's yeah. like extremely helpful. I mean, my sister <laughs> yeah. thinks I'm her esthetician, so I, you know, yeah, and I, I have it. no training, so I. I, I, I love it. <laughs> having having started Bailey in makeup, why did you guys want to when you had the opportunity to pursue, you know, really creating your own full-fledged brand? And and for listeners who don't know, ITK was created in partnership with the incubator Mesa. Why then create one in skincare? Yeah, I mean, it's a development over time, I think. There was a period of time where makeup was everything and everyone was talking about makeup and mm. then slowly over the years as we grew up I think it became more and more emphasis on skincare and so as we grew up we became more and more involved with skincare ourselves and then as did our audience as did just society in general and so soon enough the same way we were really involved in the beauty world we started to get really involved in skincare and so that passion grew there um, and turned into the situation where we were recognizing 
that there wasn't a clean brand that was affordable for someone like us in college or someone in high school that was also understandable. And so that was a point of view. We were like, we can do this. We can do this. She has the expertise. We have the community to help build it. And this is like a perfect opportunity to create something that people want and need. So it was a mix of different factors, I think, that went into it. Number one, passion. And then number two, of course, this like empty space we saw in the industry. And so as a whole, it's, I think it's been multiple things that went into it. No, I I love that. I think like there's just always room for more affordable options. And that's such an important thing. Like there's always focus on a $300 moisturizer or Uh whatever. Um, Tell me about sort of those early conversations with what became your team. You know, how did that go? Because it's a it's a big decision and you guys are 23 now, like still really, yes, really yes. young. <laughs> and it must be a huge decision to um, choose a business partner for something as as big as, you know, developing a brand that's going to be carried at like what, like the biggest Walmart, like what, like the biggest retailer in like the world, like yeah. What was that like? What were those early conversations like? And how how did you guys come to feel that um that Mesa was the right partner for you on that? Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, it's it's intimidating. Like yeah. no one talks about it and how I mean, no, you don't know all this stuff right off the bat, even though Brooklyn and I had done product development and we went to school and got a master's, I mean a, a bachelor's in business, it was still there's so much you don't know. And so where do you start? How does that work? Who do you partner with? Who do you talk to? I think it was extremely helpful that we had a mentor in my mom who had, of course, a couple years earlier done exactly what we followed in her footsteps to do. So if anyone's on the podcast listening (laughs) and wants to figure out how to do that, definitely find a mentor that's done it before. That is the best thing that you can do. Just having someone who has experienced it beforehand help you out. But that's exactly what we did. We did not know exactly how to go about finding a partner, but what we did know is it would require a lot of hands and a lot of financing, and that was something Brooklyn and I could not do on our own, so we needed a partner, and my mom had found a really good partnership with Mesa with Heritage. We knew that they had ties to big retailers like Walmart and that they had the bandwidth, and not only that, but it was a small enough company that we could do innovative things with our brand, which is what we wanted to do. Um, so altogether, those sort of decision make- makers kind of went into the whole tie in the partnership with Mesa and ITK. Well, and one of the things I think that like, if you are just like the average person like Bailey and I were before we started this whole process, you don't know that like, you it, they're called, you know, you have to pitch to people like you have to pitch your, you know, your brand idea. So like when we, um, you know, kind of got our foot in the door with Mesa, it, it, you know, of course, it's not like, oh, you just jump right into having conversations about like, okay, how are we going to do this? You know, you have to have like a formal meeting and you have to sit down and basically build a, a pitch deck, which is basically convincing everybody that they need to like, take on this project with you. And then, you know, of course, after that, you know, usually you agree or disagree to move forward with the project and then you start having conversations. But it works the same way when you're trying to get into a store. So if you're trying to get into a retailer like Walmart or Sephora or, you know, all these retailers, you have to pitch. You have to, like, create a convincing presentation that says, here's why you need to you know, take my products and here's, you know, so it's, it's like these things that you, nobody ever tells you, you basically have to sell yourself and your product to your partners and like to the retailers, et cetera. 
it requires a lot of self-confidence. Yes. Even if it's faked, it needs to be there. Yeah. And it needs to have a lot of confidence in your idea and your products because you're pretty much convincing these big shots that they need to take their money and invest in you. And as a, I mean, at the time, Brooklyn, how old were we when we pitched to Mesa originally? 21? 21. We were like sophomores in college and we were just like <laughs> we can do this like, yeah, we were like yes. even if it's fake confidence we're gonna do this and we did we succeeded and I remember just freaking out the day we found out we got into Walmart because I was sweating the whole pitch and Mesa we were all just like so excited to pitch and it's really rare that they say yes in a pitch check and so when we got that yes we were just I mean screaming from the rooftops of our college house we were so excited <laughs> So it definitely is intimidating. I think that's one thing people miss. So you went to Mesa and you brought it to Mesa because yes. I think that people knowing, you know, that your mom had already developed a brand with them, I think people might assume that Mesa came to you and said, yeah. you know, build a brand with us. You know, your mom already did. Yeah. Tell me about that and, you know, building that deck. I, um, we started, obviously, obviously my mom has, you know, her brand and obviously she has connections with Mesa as well. So I think there was like a conversation a little bit about like, wait, you know, I think that this can be done again with Brooklyn and Bailey. Um, but it really, it was Bailey and I with my mom being like, we can do it. We can do it. Like, we want to do it. Like, this is how we want to do it. And then we kind of created this plan and then we presented to Mesa like, okay, this is what we want to do. Like, this is like the very rough outline, very, very rough outline of what it looks like. Genuinely, we approached them and said, we want to do skincare. We want these to be the things that we focus on. Like we did we didn't have a lot of detail. Like we didn't have product names or, you know, we didn't have, you know, packaging picked out, nothing. We just had the very general concept of this is where we see space in the market. And this is how we want to fill it. And we want you guys to help us create what fills that space. So that's kind of how we created the pitch deck was more like, here's the facts that support why this could do well. And like, now you can help us do, you know, all of the other things like pick out the colors and, you know, design the bottles and formulate the formulas, yeah. stuff like that. So you really just, you can present with really just a lot of passion and an idea. <laughs> That's pretty much all you need. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back with the rest of our episode. Love fragrance, but have sensitive skin? Introducing Skincare's Take On Fragrance, Clean Reserve H2O, a new eco-conscious collection of water-based perfumes that are gentle, hydrating, and long-lasting. A proprietary technology, Clean Reserve H2O Hydrotech harnesses sustainable and renewable ingredients in a formula that is gentle enough for sensitive skin. An exciting alternative to alcohol-based fragrances that is crafted for those who want more from their perfume. A splash of hydration, no irritation, and exceptional long-lasting wear. The collection features eight new scents and is available at Sephora. Follow at cleanbeauty underscore collective for more on this new wave in fragrance. Brooklyn, I know that you and Bailey thought affordability and a young demographic like like yourself and, and the young girls that were watching your videos. What else did you think was missing that you guys felt that ITK could bring to the market? Um, we talked a lot, Bailey and I talked a lot about how skincare is super intimidating, 
how you kind of walk down the aisle and a lot of it looks almost medicinal. It looks, you know, very intimidating to someone, you know, younger, I think in the younger generations, Gen Z, Gen Alpha. Um, I was the 12 year old who was walking down the aisle and like looking at some of them being like, what does, you know, what is a BHA? What is, you know, what are these things? Like what's hyaluronic acid? I have no idea, you know? And I think that was something we talked a lot about trying to make um, skincare more simple. And we talked also a lot about making skincare less intimidating packaging wise. Like it's something that could sit on your bathroom shelf and still look pretty, but it's going to work, you know? So it kind of put all of these things hand in hand with obviously affordability and efficacy. We wanted things, we wanted our formulas to work, but then also be beautiful and aesthetic and like, you know, the cool girl is going to have it sitting on her bathroom shelf, you know, and then also simple. It's not complicated. You're not confused by, you know, the verbiage or like how you're supposed to use it. And Bailey, I know that you guys just hit a year, but tell me about, and and just launched some new products as you did, but tell me about sort of um, the products that you launched when the brand first came out and how you decided sort of what would be a part of that assortment. Oh man, <laughs> a load of questions. <laughs> um, a lot of it had to do with community, our community we'd already built with our audience. Um, we knew some of the basics of what we wanted. Obviously a cleanser is like the number one go-to. So we knew we wanted some cleanser, a moisturizer, but then there were some other products we were asking our audience about. What do you use in your routine? Do you use an eye cream? Do you use acne products? Do you use lip products? What do those look like? And then based on the results, we kind of formulated the rest. So we pretty much hit almost every category. We had some serums, we had eye, we had an acne product um, based on what our audience said. And we kind of launched with this simplified, here is one or two of what we think is the most important products. And that's sort of how it came about pretty much was a lot of community building and then obviously a lot of just natural, this is what the industry average is. And Bailey, you were communicating with your followers. How how was that happening? How were you talking to them? So we were trying to keep it a secret that we were launching skincare. (laughs) And so it was extremely difficult to do um, a lot of really sneaky ways. So we would put up stories, um, you know, maybe talking about our skincare or skincare in general, and then just be like, oh, you know, do you use this product? And I'd put up a poll on a story and it was like, yes or no. And then we'd have whatever, 400,000 people vote on that. And I could see, okay, 75% say yes, they do. So that's a huge chunk. So we know for sure people use an eye cream or kind of that sort of way. We even had them vote on colors when we were picking out product design and names. What words? Do you know what exfoliating means? Yes, no. But they were so spread out because it was over a long period of time that I don't think people pieced it together. Um, and that's how we were able to keep it a secret. But it was like directly posted to my story with a poll with people voting or giving their opinions. And so that was a lot of fun to see the results. That's and I mean, wow, to have 400,000 people voting on something, which is still like a fraction of your guys's following, but such a huge sample that I think most founders would Kill to be able to pull that large an amount of of people. And is the the launches that just came out, um, Bailey, is that the first time you guys have launched new products since the brand launched? 
It is. So we launched um, originally with 15 SKUs and then we launched with a handful more this year. So it was the first new set of products we've launched since the original SKUs, um, which is we were so excited about. There were a couple things we felt like we're missing, like a lip balm. As you said, you use the lip balm. It's quickly become a fan favorite um, and a couple others here and there. So yes, it was the first time we launched new products since the originals. And Brooklyn, tell me about sort of maybe how being an esthetician helped with some of these products. Yeah, um, I feel like just from like a product development standpoint, like when we're going through the process, generally it starts with just spitballing things like, oh, I want to try to make something like this and I want to try to make something like that. And I think, you know, my esthetician license helped in that department where it's like I, I had access to a lot of products during my schooling and education. And I knew what people liked and I knew what people didn't like and I knew what didn't exist. And so, of course, coming up with ideas was, I feel like, um, a great place for me to start with my background. And then, of course, whenever we're going into the actual formulations, you know, being able to say this ingredient, you know, is really good for this thing. Like we need to make sure it's in this product or like, you know, too much of this with this is not going to go well. And, you know, this is one of our best selling products. So maybe this isn't the best one to launch because they can't pair it, Mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. So it's a lot of just kind of the nitty gritty little details that people probably don't know from the front end, but the back end, there's a lot of that that goes on. And I feel like my education plays a big part of kind of the conversations we have. That's amazing. And nowadays, you know, you mentioned you guys are on various different social platforms. You have this brand. You're not in school anymore. What, you know, what is, and I'll let you each sort of speak to this because maybe it's different for both of you, but what is a day in the life like? What is it like, you know, working with Mesa? Obviously, you're in a different state than I think many of your um, coworkers are. You know, how often are you talking to them? How often? Um, what is your involvement like? And then I guess, like, how much time are you spending on YouTube, TikTok? Like, what is all of that like? What is life like for a content creator who's been doing this for over 10 years? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I threw a lot at you. (laughs) You you are correct in assuming it's different for the two of us. We're so lucky that there are two of us because it does allow us to split some of the responsibilities, um, which makes it a little more more manageable, I would say. But for me specifically, I'll just pick a random day. Let's just pick a Wednesday each week. Um, We'll wake up at probably eight o'clock, you know, eat the breakfast, things like that. And we kickstart the day with a meeting with our internal team. We run a clothing and mascara brand, as you know. So we have an internal meeting with them to kickstart the day. Um, And then usually I'm immediately right off the bat filming Instagram stories um, for social. Um, I'll probably post a TikTok somewhere in between my meetings. Then we usually have two to three internal meetings to talk about ITK on Wednesday. So we have innovation where we're talking about future products and you know, sort of developing those. Then we have an internal status meeting for things like influencer campaigns and events, PR boxes, um, stuff like that. And then usually we'll have like a one-on-one with our brand manager to make sure everything's getting hit and deadlines are due. Um, where is this at? Where's this at? Is there anything we're starting, new projects, etc.? Um, and then usually I'll divert back to socials. I'll upload our YouTube video for the day that we've probably previously already filmed. Um, back end that a TikTok or two, an Instagram post or two, maybe a maybe a Snapchat or something here or there. Just throw <laughs> them in there. 
And then that <laughs> usually about rounds out my day. So that's usually what like an average day would look like. Some days are heavier on ITK. Some days are heavier on our mascara and clothing brand. It just depends on the day. But that's just about an average look at it. A lot of social media. Yes. Yes. A lot I, of social media. I do most of social media. So that's going to be heavier on my end. And Brooklyn does a lot okay. of back end, like accounting work and stuff like that for some of our other brands. I I mean, I feel like every day looks very different when you are doing what we do, just because there's there is basically no predictability. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I get that. Usually we're working on new product development almost all the time. So generally, I would say I get a package on my doorstep like once to twice a week of like samples and things to try for yeah. ITK. So usually like the back half a couple hours, an hour or two of my days, like testing, then testing on my husband, then like testing on Bailey, then testing on my sister, then like writing down my notes. Um, there's a lot of email reading in between all of that. Everyone communicates via email. So <laughs> you kind of have to catch up on everything via email. You know, sometimes we'll throw in a couple of PR things like, you know, this, we'll do like a podcast or a Zoom or, you know, <laughs> an interview or something. So it's really just, I feel like a hodgepodge mix of a lot of different things from a lot of different angles. Um, obviously, Bailey and I film, I, we film stories, we do TikToks, we do YouTube, we do shorts, we do, you know, all the things. And then my husband and I have um, an, a, a restaurant business as well. So sometimes I'm jumping over there and <laughs> taking shifts and working, you know, it's just all over the place. So, but I would say ITK is probably, I'll probably ha ha safely half of, of our work, maybe, maybe 40% of our work. We're generally on Zoom because um, the majority of our team's yeah. in New York. So, you know, but everyone learned how to work virtual, you know, in, 20, yeah, in yeah, 2020. Totally. So it works out actually yeah. really great for us. And we're actually in New York right now. So we're able to like meet with our team pretty regularly in person as well. So, and social media, a bit of a pivot, but social media has changed so much since you guys started. What has that experience been like for you? What do you guys think about the changes? Um, what do you like? What do you miss about the old social media? What do you like about the new social media? Um, Brooklyn, I'll let you start and Bailey, I'll hand it over to you after. Oh, I, I think when we started social media, it was so new. Um, there really, I don't know, there really wasn't a whole lot of like, it, the idea of an influencer almost sort of didn't exist yet. Um, and so it was kind of like people just posted whatever, whenever there was really no theme or, you know, you know, anything like that, no strategy behind it. Um, obviously yeah. that is not what it's like today. <laughs> today it is like, you are an influencer, you post, everyone wants to know how to become an influencer. You post on a routine, you have a schedule, you have strategy. Um, I also think it went from like, very like formal content was really popular back in the day. And I think it's flipping back to like informal content is more, um, you know, popular, especially with the rise of TikTok. And, you know, I think short form content um, is kind of making a rise as well. People like fast paced things. Um, so there's just a lot of things that are different. Obviously, we've been on here for over 10 years. So naturally, that's going to happen. But um, yeah, right now, those are the things I think that are really kind of popping that are different. Yeah, agree with all of that. Um, Bailey, how about you? I would definitely say the biggest thing that's changed, especially in the last year in the industry, is shoppable content. That's something that we've not seen before that's sort of been introduced in the last year. So for example, TikTok shop, that's something that 
has really changed, at least from a business owner's perspective, changed the game. And then also from a content creator's perspective, you're always doing brand deals and stuff to sort of, you know, promote products. Or for our example, we're trying to promote our own products, but they've never been directly shoppable. So that's something that's changed over the years. And I think you'll see in the next five years, just be a complete make a complete 180 in the industry and completely change the game, which we are already seeing with our own businesses. So that's extremely exciting and a lot of fun to learn. And ITK is dabbling in that space of, of, tell me a little about that. So TikTok shop, obviously, I don't know if maybe the listeners don't know what it is. Maybe you have bought something on TikTok shop, but basically you swipe, there's a cart on screen. Someone's talking about a product. You can purchase it on TikTok. Um, it is something ITK is joining. It's something that our mascara brand has joined in the last couple months. And we've seen like 10x growth for our brand just off of TikTok shop alone. So it is it is really, when I say it's really going to, it's going to make these indie brands huge and level out the playing field a little bit in the industry because there's just equal opportunity on a platform like that for products to sell. So ITK is definitely joining. I think we should be up in the next, week or two to be able to sell on TikTok shop. Um, and then you'll see a lot of other platforms follow along. So YouTube is trying to do the same thing. I'm sure Instagram will come along. They've had shoppable content sort of in the past. So yeah. we are joining in any way that we can and trying to lead that wave basically this upcoming year in 2024. Bailey, is TikTok shop so- sort of part of the plan for promoting the new products that just launched, even though it's not quite up yet? Yes, for sure it is. Um, I think we're going to start with a couple like main products and then slowly introduce as we know um, what the consumer shopping and how that looks. But it is a, I mean, TikTok is a social media platform, which means it's a marketing platform. So naturally there's always marketing opportunities. And then you add on that selling opportunity and it's just like a golden star. So it is for sure something we're planning on and have already really been doing for the newness. I love that. Um, that is amazing about the the growth. We are definitely starting to hear that from both fashion and beauty brands. Um, we're going to have to come back to that, talk about that more yes. another time. Um, and Br- Brooklyn, just quickly, tell me what have been the bestsellers um, for ITK? Oh, yeah. Um, well, we had a product. I would let me say this. It was different than we thought it was going to be, but we're not mad about it. You know, um, <laughs> we have a, a, we really thought cleansers and moisturizers were going to be like our hard hitting and they really are, but we just had a product take off and it's called the blemish mist and it has gone viral on TikTok many times. It is, I, it is like my hero product. I live and die by this product. I am an acne prone girly and this is like a mist and it has just a little bit of salicylic acid, some licorice root. It's got, you know, it's got, I don't know, it's just an amazing product. You just spray it on after you wash your face and it helps um, prevent acne. And like we are, we get DMs of like, you know, people who've used it for a week and are seeing significant changes in their skin. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it just has a lot of like 
amazing ingredients and people are just loving it. And by default, of course, then they're talking about it and it's going viral on places like TikTok. And, um, you know, we're seeing sales because of that. And so that's actually risen to be our number one product for ITK right now. Yeah, really strong active ingredients and OTC. So it's like strong, hard hitting in the acne platform area. And that's really where I, we, I think we see Gen Z focusing on. And so it has seriously blown up, especially because we have these incredible before and afters, not only on myself, because I'm totally toting around the pimples and showing how it changes them, but also from other people. So it has been shocking and amazing to see that product just take off. Yeah, I I think that um, it kind of took us by surprise, but we have loved every second of it and all the content that has come from the blemish mist. Um, and then I are actually our second best selling product is our brightening serum. So it is a vitamin C serum. It is a lovely texture. It feels amazing on the skin. You know, it works for everybody. Um, and it's just become one of our best sellers. Again, I think people just love it. I think that they have just loved. Um, it's also very beautiful, which I think plays kind of a, a, a good part in it. It's kind of comes in this really pretty glass pink bottle. And, you know, so it's very beautiful product. It's very easy to use. Um, and again, we've had, you know, a lot of content surrounding that that has done very well for us. And of course, we've seen sales from that. So those are our best two selling products. And then of course, we have cleansers and moisturizers right. and, you know, all the other wonderful stuff. But those are really where we've seen these cr this crazy success that kind of came out of nowhere. There's really two more things I want to talk to you guys about. One is sort of the, you know, you guys like are already business veterans. It's insane. I was thinking about how like soon you'll be what, like at 26, you'll have been in business for 10 years. Um, But, you know, there is, there have been, there's just so much that happens with influencer founded brands. There's brands that come in hot and go out of business quickly. And there's brands that are just met with so much skepticism I think just because they they come in louder than brands that launch by people that don't have a lot of followers. What are your thoughts on sort of the noise around influencer founded brands and what was it like, you know, launching a brand knowing that it might have that kind of um, like be up against some of that skepticism? Yeah, I think the reason people think that a lot is because they're I mean, I love my fellow industry people, I love you guys, okay? Just saying that now. But there is a lot of people, there are a lot of people who will take a formula or a product they don't necessarily believe in and put their name next to it. And so there is a lot of doubt there. Is this a real product? Does this actually work? Do they actually like it? Or is this just, you know, another brand deal type of thing? And so that's kind of where the skepticism comes from. Um, and we knew we would potentially get that when we launched our skincare line, especially because people are very picky about their skincare and their faces. So specifically, one of the things we were really proud of and really glad that we had was that expertise in Brooklyn going to esthetician school. This wasn't us just playing around and putting our name on something and someone else developing it. It was us putting our faces on the line and our names on the line and really getting the nitty gritty details of the education, the testing, the products involving our community and whatnot. So that esthetician part really brought that expertise level, um, which I think really helped combat that a little bit. And then also involving our community. So they were part, they were getting a say in what was being done and how it was built. So by the time the brand came out, instead of feeling skeptical, they knew what we were doing and they knew we had spent a lot of time and energy into it. And they knew we were passionate about it for years. 
So I think that also helped combat it a little. I think you're always going to get skepticism, regardless of how hard you come in with those factual points, if you're an influencer, but if you can do it right, there are other brands that have done it right. I really think we've done it right. And I'm pretty proud of what we've done. I love that. It's a great answer. And we've spoken a little bit about um, some of the future plans, joining TikTok shop. I know um, Brooklyn, you said you're testing lab samples every day, but really my last question for you guys is, is there anything else we should know about what's next for the brand? And Brooklyn, I'll let you take this one. We have a lot of things up our sleeves. Um, we've got, you know, some, some great stuff that I can't say too much about, but we have just some exciting stuff coming, especially in 2024. Um, we just have a lot of good stuff coming. I, Bailey and I always say our goal is to get ITK in every household. So, that's real. That's what kind of just everything we're doing is to just, you know, get people to try it, get people to love it, get people to understand that we're really doing this for them. Um, and so, you know, some exciting stuff. I don't want to reveal too much. I don't <laughs> want to spoil any surprises. <laughs> of course, Bailey mentioned we like to tease things with our audience. So um, I'll just say that and let everyone stew on it and wonder. <laughs> but listeners will know that they can... Um find ITK on TikTok shop and and maybe even by the time that this episode is out. Um, And the new launches include a lip balm and I know there's a new moisturizer. I'll let you guys fill in the the blanks here. Anything I'm missing we should mention. A toner, right? A hydrating toner. Yes. Yes. There's a, um, a nourishing lip balm. There's a hydrating toner. There's a weightless moisturizer. Um, there was a hyaluronic acid serum and am I missing, I'm missing one, Bailey. What's the next one? We have the hydrating milky toner, the moisturizer, the lip balm. Oh, the eye stick. The the under eye stick. stick. Which is one of my favorites. So you can't forget the eye stick. I know. I love the eye stick. I I was like trying to get, when you have five, I'm like, okay, I have to count them off on my finger. By the time I get to the fifth one, I'm like, what did I say first? (laughs) Like, I can't remember which one I said first. Thank you guys so much. This was so fun. Thank you for coming on the Glossy Beauty Podcast. No, it was our honor. We were so excited. This was so much fun. So thank you for having us. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Glossy Beauty Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help us out. And of course, visit glossy.co slash beauty for even more coverage of the beauty industry. Bye.